Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. So draw our hearts to you, so guide our minds, so fill our imaginations, so control our wills that we may be wholly yours, utterly dedicated to you, and then use us, we pray, as you will, and always to your glory and the welfare of your people, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. So, good morning. I am really, really excited to be back here with you after an amazing mission trip to Rwanda the last couple weeks with our team from Redeemer. As we geared up on Tuesday to make our way back to Greensboro, it was with mixed feelings. On the one hand, we were all very, very tired from the hard work of our ministry activities. Many of us longed to be back home in the comfort of our own culture and setting. With a wife and baby back home, I was very eager to get back and spend time with them. But on the other hand, we had made so many new friends who it was hard to leave behind. In fact, at least one of them has been ordained a priest this very day, uh, so he wrote me about it last night. The slow pace of African schedules where even the best laid plans could take a different route. They forced us to embrace, and JD knows what I'm talking about, they forced us to embrace a different way of life, which, while frustrating at times, was also something of a blessing. Our culture of go, go, go was challenged to be a culture of enjoying our food, having quality time with the people we were visiting, and embracing whatever God had in store for our days, whatever goals he wanted us to accomplish. So as many are eager to hear about the trip, my goal is to lace the sermon this morning with various stories and if you're interested in hearing more, you may just have to come and ask. So I want to start off our sermon this morning with a story about one of our exciting projects from the trip. So two Tuesdays ago, before the so Tuesday before last, we had 62 pastors come out from all over the Diocese of Tahini. This is basically the entire eastern part of Rwanda. So we were so thankful that people made their way to the cathedral for this conference. In organizing the conference, Bishop Manasseh asked me to coordinate topics that would be of practical benefit to these pastors' ministries. Many of the pastors, though not all, they've lacked access to quality seminary education, and so our goal was, on the one hand, to provide them with good topics that would further their education, but on the other hand, to not be too academic and to stick as close as possible to the day-to-day -day work of a pastor. So throughout this conference, Bishop Allen, Pastor Dan, Tom Barker, various speakers from Redeemer and from another church up in Connecticut, they spent time teaching the pastors about various ministry activity, uh, ministry topics. And as part of the conference, I also asked Pastor Jonathan, our East African uh, sir, a priest in charge, to talk about what life has been like in Greensboro and what he's learned over the years from living in a different cultural setting. Having served as a pastor in the Congo, and then Rwanda, and then Kenya, and then the United States, his cross-cultural experience, my hope was that it would bring both encouragement and challenge to the pastors in the Rwandan context. So he started off with an encouragement that God truly hears the prayers of those who rely on him. But after this encouragement, he ended with a challenging reflection. He shared how when he left Rwanda in the early 2000s, his family 
could barely survive the struggling economy. People were starving. Hopelessness was rampant. So rampant that when he was blessed with the opportunity to be accepted as a refugee by the UN Center in Kenya, he took it and moved his entire family, at the time, his wife and four children, here to the United States. So when we go back to Rwanda, my how things have changed. Rwanda is now one of the safest places in all of Africa. The economy is growing, education is more available than ever before. While food is certainly not as abundant as it is here, and while some places, the infrastructure for electricity and running water are still not established, even in the most remote of places, people have smartphones with decent internet connections. Who needs a hot shower when you can have a FaceTime call with your auntie all the way over in Canada? So even though things have improved over the years, Jonathan's feeling was that many people in Rwanda are awfully forgetful. They forget how things have improved, and so regardless of the progress, many still look at the world around them with a mentality of scarcity and hopelessness, as if nothing has changed since when he left in the early 2000s. His challenge was simple. Change your mentality. See how God has blessed and is continuing to bless you. Notice the good things that God is providing, has provided, and now live a life with an eagerness to steward well what he is providing for you. And so for a room full of pastors who often don't get paid very well, if at all, for the work that they're doing, he challenged them that they should not settle for the excuses of their congregation, where people say, we don't have enough money to tithe anything from our small incomes. God has done great things for his people, and the time has come for Christians to step up and respond with a different mentality. At this point, it was clear that many were positively challenged and encouraged by his words. You could see it in their faces. However, as we opened it up for questions, the first pastor to stand up and ask the question, he said something along the lines of, wow, it sounds like in America everything is better. I want to come there. And so Jonathan looked over at me with laughter and frustration in his eyes. He thought, well, this mentality of grass being greener on the other side, this is precisely the thing that I am hoping to call out in my people. So at this point, Pastor Dan actually stood up and shared with everybody that things are not as simple as they would think. He shared that even if we tend to have enough money or more things here in the United States, we are not actually doing better for it. Believe it or not, money is not solving all of our problems. People are struggling. Suicide rates among teens are disturbing. People comparatively have everything yet feel empty inside. Anxiety is at an all-time high. You could see the shock in people's faces as they heard this. The issue is not whether God has or has not blessed you with all of the material things that you are longing for. The question is whether you are putting your ultimate hope in Christ and in all of the things which he is giving us, which will continue to last long after these material things have faded away. So this mentality that Jonathan wished to challenge these Rwandan pastors in, it goes much deeper than where I have grown up or how well I'm doing financially. This mentality is relevant in every place or time, even here in Greensboro, North Carolina. So I thought I would share this story with you as we open up this sermon today. We've been spending the last couple of weeks going through a sermon series where we're reflecting on the last lines of the Nicene Creed. We look for the resurrection of the dead. 
as we continue this Easter season, letting that message of resurrection come more deeply into our hearts and form us more and more. I would like today to talk about Jonathan's challenge to those Rwandan pastors. What would it look like for us to have a resurrection mentality? How can this mentality change the way that we go about our lives? Believe that our passage from 1 Peter has much to share with us about this today. So let's open our Bibles and turn. You turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. While you're opening, in Romans 12, Paul challenges us to renew our minds and not conform to the mentality of this world. So let's look at what the Apostle Peter has here in this passage to say about a resurrection mentality as we seek to let our minds be renewed by the message of our ultimate hope of resurrection. So the first thing that stands out to me in this passage is found in verses 3 through 5. There it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So here it is clear to me that a mentality of resurrection is about much, much more than just wishing for a better reality. It is about the power of God, which is working here in the midst of us. This resurrection mentality is a hope which is powerful to change and reshape us. God has caused us to be born again. God is doing something. This entire passage is filled with what God is doing in us. Our hope of the resurrection, it is much more than just a mental activity that we perform. It is a mentality of confidence, which is shaped by what God is doing in our hearts to raise us now to new life. He is guarding us through faith for salvation, which will be revealed soon enough. This hope in resurrection is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. It is something which is being given to us through that power of the Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead. I think that this idea of faith is actually really different than the way that we often think about it. We think about faith as something like a gamble. Well, my life is probably better if I live it with faith, so I might as well gamble everything on it since there's not much to lose. Or some look at it and they say, you know what, I don't really want to take that gamble. I have more than enough to lose, so what's the point? But this resurrection mentality that, that Peter is talking about, it is no gamble. It is not wishful thinking. It is not simply comforting ourselves with hope in a better world that gets us past our problems. It is so much better than that. It is confidence in what God is doing. It is his power that is transforming us. It is about letting go of the hope and confidence in our own abilities or possessions and placing our entire confidence in what God is doing and will continue to do in our lives. So one of the challenges that we faced throughout our time in Rwanda was the lack of readily available coffee. So once again, who needs coffee when at any time I can take out my smartphone and WhatsApp my wife a video of monkeys running past our car or elephants throwing mud at us? I do have those videos if you want to see so, Mike Hardiman, our resident coffee master, who faithfully mans our coffee station week after week, even though I heard that Zach Duncan managed to hold his own in his absence. 
Mike and I were struggling with some very decent coffee withdrawals throughout the trip. And the wild thing for us was that Rwanda is one of the major places for producing coffee in the world. I remember standing in the middle of a coffee field, singing with some people who are coffee farmers and thinking, wow, what I would do to get a taste of this coffee. <laughs> so in a place where coffee beans are so readily farmed, that, that delicious shot of caffeine, it escaped us time and time again. So on the first day of the pastor's conference, we were set to split up that afternoon into small groups. And Bishop Allen whispered over to me, he said, hey, is there going to be coffee and tea for those small groups this afternoon? What a good idea, I thought. So I quietly excused myself while someone was presenting, and I went over to the reception, and I said, hey, would it be possible for some coffee and tea this afternoon? And so I made it clear in this conversation, I said, I know this is a last-minute request. If it's not possible, it's not possible. But the manager assured me. He said, no problem, no problem at all. So I went back to the conference, and around 3 o'clock, as we were splitting up into our groups, I announced to the entire room of 60 new pastors, I said, hey, guys, there's coffee and tea in the next room. So when you go into your groups, make sure you get some of that good stuff. But as I went into the other room, it became clear this was not the case. I thought, well, shucks. Here I had announced this to the whole group and no coffee or tea in sight. So the next morning I thought, let's give this one more shot. We had it set up on Wednesday that the conference was meant to end around noon. And our plan was to meet that afternoon with 20 young rising leaders in the diocese. I had asked Bishop Manasseh to introduce us to the future leaders who he believed would shape the next 30 to 40 years of the Diocese of Nihini. So as we were set up to meet with them, I thought, well, wouldn't coffee and tea be really nice for that meeting? So that morning, I went to the manager again, and I said, would it be possible to have coffee ready by 2 p.m. that afternoon? And I was assured, I was assured, of course, no problem, no problem at all. So how disappointed I was when I came out that afternoon and there was no coffee or tea or even water in sight. What do I have to do to get that sweet relief of caffeine? in a cup. <laughs> After I said this last service, someone was like, did you get your caffeine this morning? I assure you, Mike took care of me this morning. So later that evening, Pastor Jonathan and I were sitting down on the lake. We stayed in, in Gahini. There's this lovely resort on a lake that we stay at every year. And so we're sitting at the lake talking about the conference. And I asked him, I said, can you please explain this to me? And he said, well, Jared, I have two things that I want you don't understand. He said, the first thing, Rwandans don't like to say no. So even if they say yes, this doesn't really mean it's going to happen. But boy, are they really nice people. <laughs> so secondly, he said, Jared, only promise people something if you can see it with your own eyes. So my question for us, is this how it is with the hope of resurrection? Is it like me promising coffee that may or may not be there in that neighboring room when those pastors arrive, or is it something very, very different? Well, friends, I think it is something very different. Our hope in the resurrection is not hope in an empty promise. The one who is promising it is powerfully reworking resurrection power in us. He is causing us to be born again. He is equipping us with everything good until that time has come. He is guarding us with a faith that is not just hope in what will come, but transformation of our here and now. 
And so we are assured resurrection hope is not just coffee that may or may not be in that next room. It is already ready for us when we cross that threshold. And through what he has given us in his word and sacrament by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can already catch a whiff of that cup of delicious salvation that is waiting for us on the other side. So a little bit, we will take part in this communion table. This is a foretaste of that imperishable, undefiled, unfading hope, which is already being kept for us when we arrive at that glorious table. A resurrection mentality, it is shaped by real confidence in the power of God, which is working in and through us. Imagine how this kind of mentality could change the way that we go about our days. So this brings me to the second thing which stands out in our passage today, which you can find in verses 6 through 7. There it says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The mentality that Peter describes in this passage is one that is deeply rooted in confidence in the resurrection waiting for us at the second coming of Christ. Here, that second coming is not just simply something we wish would finally come, but is something which transforms our reality here and now. But here's the problem with the way we often see the world. On the one hand, we miss those things that God is doing because we trust in our own strength. So when things go our way, we don't see God's hand in all of those things. Instead, we pat ourselves on the back. But on the other hand, when things don't go our way, we wonder, where is God in all of this? We miss how God is working in and through challenging circumstances to change us more and more into the people he is making us to be. So our natural tendency is to remember and dwell on the hard things, but we forget or fail to notice altogether the things that God is doing in our midst. But a resurrection mentality, it changes this perception. This kind of mentality, it is shaped by joy regardless of our circumstances. Joy is not dependent upon the circumstances of here and now, but instead it is firmly rooted in the reality of our status in Christ, which will be revealed when he comes back. For this reason, he describes Christians as people who rejoice regardless of their circumstances. So one of the great joys of our trip was the opportunities that we had to hear people's stories. Whenever we had the chance, we asked our hosts not to just tell us about their current work, but to reflect back on what God has done in their lives. One of the stories we heard was from Bishop Manasseh, our partner bishop in Rwanda. He shared with us his story of how God has worked in his life to bring him from the life of a refugee in a terrible place in Uganda where flies transmitted sleeping sickness which regularly killed both humans and their cattle. But God brought him to a life of a successful and well-educated politician. Yet in the midst of God blessing him, he fell back into alcoholism. So one day, he and his baby daughter actually almost died in a house fire because he passed out with the candles burning around his bed. But God woke him up, and he repented, and he began a new life of following Jesus first and foremost. And so down the road, the church actually managed to convince him to leave behind his political career and to go into ministry, even to the point where he's now been elected the bishop of this diocese. Through him, God is bringing great change to a diocese that has been drowning in debt 
unable to pay their clergy, entirely dependent upon foreign partnership instead of wise financial stewardship. So God has blessed Bishop Manasseh greatly and brought him to a place where he's able to be a blessing for so many others, including our team from Redeemer. So another story which is shared with us was when Pastor Gideon in Kamate, one of the satellites of our sister church in Karangazi, with whom I was able to dance a decent number. So if you want to see those videos, feel free to come by. He told us how his father was actually once a witch doctor. And so when he was growing up, he did not grow up in a family who believed in Jesus. He didn't actually go into much detail about this story, but he described it with words that stuck with us. He said, God took the snake from around my neck and gave me a clergy collar when he called me into ministry for Jesus Christ. So now in his service as the parish pastor in Kamate, he actually regularly travels to eight local congregations that are part of this parish and even goes to Tanzania regularly to preach the gospel to people who don't know Jesus. So I'm sure if we took some time to reflect on our stories together, we would hear many such testimonies here in this room of what God has done in being continually, continuously faithful to us over the years, how he has blessed us through trial and challenging circumstances time and time again. But here is my challenge for us today. Let these stories of faithfulness and this confidence in the resurrection of Jesus not just change the way that we view our past, but let it transform the way that we perceive the present circumstances that we are facing, even before those stories of faithfulness happen. What would it look like if our resurrection mentality gave us confidence here and now through whatever challenges we are facing? If we rejoice constantly, even when things are not going according to plan, if instead of anxiety, fear, doubt, our faith in Jesus is shaped by confidence and genuineness of faith. When Peter talks about what is coming our way, he compares what God is doing in us now to the preparation of gold. Gold is a precious metal which is forged in fire, made in a hot and challenging process of separating the good from the bad. This is the image that he's using to describe what God is doing in us now. While the fire of our challenges feels like it could destroy us at any time, really Peter describes it as the thing that is turning us into something much more precious for the last day when Christ will raise us from the dead with him. As God at times painfully rips apart our sin from our sanctification, producing in us the kind of fruit which glorifies him, the final product is something which Peter describes as even more precious than gold, because gold, like everything else, will fade away. And the end result he describes is praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ on that day. But we're tempted when we read praise, honor, and glory to think that that's what we will be doing when we see Christ, and it is. But here in this passage, if you look at a close examination of what Peter is saying, it reveals that what he's talking about is the praise and the glory and the honor that Jesus is going to reward us with when after enduring these challenging circumstances for his sake, for his kingdom, we are finally with him at last. This is such good news. Regardless of whatever we've gone through or going through, God is using it to prepare us for that day when we will be rewarded with so much more. So Peter uses this to encourage these early Christians as they're enduring challenging trials of persecution and discrimination. And he uses it to encourage us today 
to endure whatever we are facing with a resurrection mentality that sees how God is working to bless, equip, and empower us regardless of our circumstances. And so finally, the third thing that stands out to me in this passage is found in verses 8 through 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. A resurrection mentality, it sees the work of Christ in our lives, even though it is faith in that which is not yet seen with our own eyes. Like we said before, this kind of faith could be seen as a gamble. This kind of faith could be seen as naive. Wishful thinking. But as Peter is confident in the God who's working in us, greater things than we could even think or imagine, he is confident that the result of God's work will transform us into a people who cannot help but worship God for what he is doing. In the first week of our sermon series on resurrection, we talked about the prophet Ezekiel and how he lived in a creative tension between the power of the resurrection that he witnessed in the vision of the valley of dry bones rising to new life and the fact that this resurrection of God's people had not yet occurred. This vision was meant to change the lives that Israel lived in exile, but its fulfillment waited. And the same is true for us. We live in a creative tension between the resurrection of Christ and our resurrection one day when he comes again. But as we live in this tension, God is working to make us into the people he longs for us to be. And that people is described by Peter as a people of deep and sincere worship. So this last part of our text today is really meant to be an encouragement. On the one hand, Peter has been challenging his people to have a resurrection mentality that changes the way they live their lives. But now he's praising them for how they are already doing this. And so I would like to do the same for Redeemer this morning. Friends, I want to exhort you this morning. Embrace the resurrection mentality in a way which actively changes the way we go about our days. Do not be blind to God's power. Let us seek to live our lives in thankfulness and confidence for what God is doing. Where we don't just see how God has been faithful in the past, but where we are in tune with what God is doing here and now, even in the midst of our challenging circumstances. Let's be challenged to live out this vision together. But on the other hand, be encouraged. You are a people who worship God. You are a people who know how to worship God in the midst of any circumstance. Redeemer is a church which is truly shaped by praise and worship. This is something which became apparent to me when traveling abroad. It is always helpful when you go to a different place because it allows you to reflect on your current reality with different eyes. And so don't get me wrong. Worship in Rwanda was an inspiring experience. I saw the hard work that so many teams put into preparing different choirs of people who spend the entire week preparing their songs for Sunday service. You'd be amazed at how it's hard work to get together in one team here at Redeemer to prepare songs for service on Sunday, but they get together four to five teams every week to sing and worship Jesus. And of course, my favorite part of worship in Rwanda, it was when the songs reached their culmination in a dance party where young and old can't help but leave their seats to join an eight to 10 minute shower of exuberant joy that sure, might leave the room smelling a little bit funky in the end. 
but which ultimately left behind an atmosphere of glory in the presence of God in the midst of whatever challenges we are facing. However, as much fun as those Rwandan dance parties were, it was a great joy for me to return back to worship with you this morning here at Redeemer. Because just like Peter, I see in this church those same words. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I am encouraged by this worshiping missional community of faith, though I do think it would be fun if we boogied a bit more from time to time. Let's pray. Lord, give us grace this morning that we would be both hearers and doers of your word. May our obedience in both listening and living bring glory to you. Give us a resurrection mentality and help it to change our lives so we can share this hope with those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.